0: Welcome to the CannaCuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in.
1: Welcome to the CannaCuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the president of CannaCuck (laughs) Camps, Joe White.
2: Well... Thank you, Shay. That was like a K-2, you know, Fwagnum uh, introduction. introduction. That's the word I was thinking of. I love, I love bringing it. By up the, the way, it's good that I can, you know, I, I have a hard time finding words, but Debbie Jo fills in the blanks for me. It's really she good. She does. She's your teammate. I'm excited to be here. My voice is gravelly, not because of COVID, but because I'm old. Um, <laughs> good to be with the folks today, Shay. Thank it you. It is good to be alive. <laughs> it's really good to be alive. Yeah, really.
1: Well, friends, today we're talking leadership. And this is obviously something that we're super passionate about here at Kennecutt Camps. You know, our, our mission is to equip next generation leaders. And so we are studying and talking about teaching, training, living out leadership around every corner in the K Ministries. And, and so we're excited to to talk about transcendent leadership and the idea of transcendent leadership are these Jesus-based leadership qualities that transcend settings. So there is applicable on uh, the front line of a home and the front line of of a war. They're on the front line of a, uh, you know, a factory or or, uh, in the garage working with a bunch of mechanics and in blue-collar America, it's just Jesus-based principles, they rise to the top. And one of the things I love about you know, studying secular leadership experts is, is watching these biblical principles rise to the top. And, and recently, Joe, I've been, and this has been for quite some time, but I'm a big fan of a guy named Jocko Willink's. And he is a former Navy SEAL officer who now does corporate leadership training. And he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And his material is fantastic. But he's got, you know, all of his leadership principles, which he fine-tuned in the War of Ramadi. It was one of the worst battles where the, you know, where the SEALs were moving in and kicking down door after door in this city that was overrun with terrorists. And these principles. Were the ones that lasted and made his teams excellent and successful. And as I as I walk through them, you know, I just think of Jesus. Extreme ownership, which is, you know, owning your failures and mistakes. Part of the Christian faith is taking full ownership of of our sin and the task that God has given us in the Great Commission. Check your ego at the door, is one of the things he says. The value of humility in a leader. Decentralized command, it's discipleship. Uh, discipline equals freedom second Timothy one7 we've not been given a spirit of fear or timidity but of power love and self-control and you know another great book uh, good to great by Jim Collins business classic where he studied um, businesses that went from good to great and they maintained their greatness over decades and as they they did a you know a study on all these great companies that lasted, you know, one of the common factors was what they call a level five leader. And the way that he um, defined a level five leader was a leader who had personal humility and professional will. And I think about Jesus, personal humility seen seen in the gospels as described in, in Philippians chapter two, and then his professional will, if you want to call it his commitment to the cross, unwavering commitment. And, and so that's really what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're here to talk about transcendent leadership. And we've brought in two amazing leaders. Um, and and Joe, I'm gonna have you introduce John Jensen and I'll introduce Stedman Valentine, but we're excited for our audience to hear from these two incredible men.
2: Shay, thank you. Um, boy, that was worth the price of the podcast, just hearing your uh, overview of what leadership means to you. And by the way, Shay, as I look into your eyes, uh, I really appreciate your leadership of men, of teenage boys, the way you've led K1 for the last uh, few summers, the way you're going to lead K2 this summer, the way you lead uh, your family um, well, of your uh, little little blue-eyed your blue-eyed girls and your son who you know can already shoot a you know a crossbow and and <laughs> take a deer out at a long distance. Um, but but you you embody honestly, buddy. You embody uh, what you've been talking about in the last few minutes of this podcast. Uh, on my right um, is a man I've grown to love dearly over the last few years. His name is John Jensen. He's on the uh, Kennecuk, uh Family Ministries cabinet uh, with with. Uh, uh with with myself and a few others uh helps us run all the uh, all the, the the ministries here at kanakuk john came to us shay as you probably know uh, he was executive with conoco um, and he uh, was also the chief operating officer of a 2.5 billion dollar company out of houston called ep uh, energy uh, he left that world on his own accord, to come to the hills and become an Ozark Mountain hillbilly, he's got Welcome, a, he's, he's got a house <laughs> on the end of the road, and uh, everybody has fallen in love with the heart of this man. He's got a great mind. Uh, he is a gr- he is truly a seasoned leader, but but uh, what we what we love about him is his heart for Christ.
1: No kidding. And to my left, I've sitting one of the the bright stars, one of the great leaders. Run around these K ministries, Stedman Valentine. He happens to be one of the basketball coaches for the Linkier Lions, Cantacuc's very own prep basketball team. Uh, I met Stedman years ago. He came to work at K2. He was a, a basketball player at Bryan College. And, and since then, uh, I've got to watch him up close at times and other seasons from a distance grow up in his faith. He's a man of the word. In fact, anybody who knows him knows that the that scripture flows out of his pores, and uh, he spent a little time down in Dallas at the Watermark Residency and was invested in there. and And now we're fortunate to have him on our team, uh, serving at the Link Year. So we're excited to have you, Stedman. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, let's kick off the conversation, John. I want to start with you. You know, you had a what what this Ozarks uh, young man would consider a high pri- profile. Um, significant role in, in major companies. Um, tell us about your faith journey and how it came alongside your career. How did it play out in your leadership?
3: Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me and for being so generous with with your time and, and comments. Um, you know, my faith journey very much followed my, uh, my business journey, my professional journey. Um, I came to faith as an adult in college, late in college, but really started growing in my faith at the same time I was growing and building professional skills in the oil and gas business. And, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience for me because, um, my, if I were to describe my professional journey, when I started, I was out to prove that I could make things happen. Like I was going to outwork Outlast, whatever it took, I was gonna prove myself that I could be successful and uh, with a very much of a worldly focus on that. Um, but as I spent more time in the Word, spent more time in uh, accountability groups and really praying over you know, what God's desire was for my life, there started to be conflict. And that conflict really started happening primarily around how I cared for people. And really early on in my career, my bias was uh, people were an instrument to get things done. Mm. And if they weren't helping advance getting things done, then honestly, I didn't have much use for them. It wasn't that I didn't care. um, uh, It just, I didn't, I didn't invest any time and energy. So um, early on, uh, about five years into my uh, professional journey, I was doing my first Um, significant acquisition in Colorado. And I knew um, making this acquisition, we were going to buy some facilities and shut them down and consolidate them into a facility we had. And so about 20 families in the small community would be directly impacted. So I knew that, you know, one morning they were going to wake up and I was going to be standing there saying, by the way, we just acquired you. These facilities are shutting down. Good luck. And so I went to my pastor and said, I am struggling because my job that I'm paid to do it feels like direct conflict with caring for others, right? These people did nothing wrong, and yet they're going to be um, a victim, isn't in my mind, they're going to be a victim of the circumstance. And it was a young pastor, a young Southern Baptist pastor, and he said, listen, you know, you need to do the right thing. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. You know, you're you're accountable to your corporation, but how you treat people is going to make all the difference. And it really was started the chain of saying, in everything that I do, I'm going to think about what's the right thing to do for people. You know, the reality is, if it wasn't me, it was going to be somebody else that would probably shut down these facilities um, because they were just uncompetitive. But the way you handle the people, you know, how do you handle severance? How do you handle things like medical care? How do you help them look for new jobs and equip them for success? How do you care for their families? Because I was living in the same small community with them. Some of them were even going to our church. Mm -hmm. Um, But that began the journey of really starting to care for people and start having concern for people beyond just what it meant from a business standpoint.
2: Yeah, see, I was just reading last night about Jesus um, and the, the familiar passage that we've all read many times. As He's just walking through a crowd and, and you know, a lady touched his garment. You remember that passage in uh, in Luke. Um, and, 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 and John, I love that you brought up care and compassion. And when people think of a, a high-profile leader like you who, who led this gigantic company, you know, that's probably the last thing that someone would think that an effective leader needs to be very, very, very caring for people, for their heart, for their needs. And I love John that you brought that up, and and I love it, John, that like Jesus, even though it was just it was just twenty families, and and what's twenty families to, to a gigantic industry like Conoco um, or EP Oil, um, but that you know that 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 way back then, as you learned, that caring for people's needs and seeing people. Uh, as Jesus saw people, that that was really the formula for your success as a leader. I hope all leaders out there, dads, moms, uh, fraternity men, uh, teammates, hear that. People will follow the man, the woman that cares the most deeply about them.
3: Yeah, and and just to add to that, Joe, um, for me, I'm convinced— that the more I invested in really getting to know people beyond you know what capability they can bring to business, but you know, like tell me about your family, tell me about your history, tell me about the struggles you have, and having an open door um, when they're dealing with those things, you know, suddenly people are even more committed, right? They know you care. At the end of the day, they know they you care, and as a leader. You can better relate to how people are responding to things. You know, who knows if somebody's dealing with a mother with cancer at home, and they're not don't deliver a project on time. Suddenly, you understand, right? What's going on? How are you dealing with this? There's things we can do to help you, right? And Mm. I and people will follow you. They'll
1: follow. They'll take mountains with you Mm. if they know you care.
2: Mm. Love that shape,
1: Steadman. I'm curious. I know that you've been on. You know, as a coach, I would imagine you reflect on you know, all the coaches that you had growing up and, you know, there's a handful that I can think of that I would have died for, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. They just stand out and they got the most out of me. Is there somebody in your past that like, you know, that you think of, you're like, that was, that was a coach that I gave everything I had to. And he got the most out of me because I wonder who that was and what, what it was that was different about them. So ironically, it's kind of in the past and now.
0: So two guys I would have to think of that got the most out of me and pushed me the most is, one, Adam Donier. Uh, My first year, I was the assistant coach here in 2016, 2017, and he really took on a coaching role to a coach and made me understand what it took to lead basketball players. And then right now, my assistant coach, Josh Maywar, uh, he he challenges me in areas that I'm weak in. So I love that John brought up compassion because – Uh, At the level every coach is trying to ascend to, everybody has great competency. We just had the heat shooting coach come by and the guy knew basketball frontwards and backwards. Uh Um, But I'm learning now in coaching that compassion is something you have to have because you're not coaching players, you're coaching people. And there are different things people are going through and that they bring onto the court with them and that affects their performance. Now, ultimately, it's not about their performance, it's about them, but I have to understand that there's a whole, they're very complex human beings. Um, In my leadership, I know it's a commitment to being misunderstood for all leaders is commitment to being misunderstood. Uh, Stop me if you know where I'm going, but there's a story in the Bible about a man who goes to God, who's actually leading God's people uh, and says, okay, how do you want us to take this, this, this first land we're going to take? Um, And there was a big wall around this land and, and, Obviously, he was thinking, hey, let me go through the wall, let me go under the wall, let me go over the wall, let me uh, siege the place, so mm-hmm. make them come out. And God says, no, I want you to march around the wall seven times and then shout and blow horns. And he has to go back to two million people who have been preparing for battle and tell them that. We're going to get this one to the band, guys. <laughs> that
1: would have been a hard one to <laughs> swallow. <up laughs> yeah, on. yeah. You can <laughs> only. Do
0: you uh, think <laughs> anyone was questioning his leadership? <laughs> I think he was questioning his own leadership. It's like, I want a second opinion, God. Uh, But he went back and told them and said, hey, we're going to do what God tells us. And I think Joshua, because that is the story of Joshua, is that really illustrates that's a commitment to being misunderstood. Like we have to be able to step in hard places and understand that we are called to lead. And that doesn't look like everybody's job. And those are hard things sometimes. Um, People don't care what you know until they know that you care. I think John brought that up. And Joe uh, really he taught me that the first time I sat down with you in 2014, how I was about to go lead Young Life. I still remember that meeting uh, where you talked to me about leadership and I told you all the things I thought it was. And then you said, hey, open up your Bible and show me how Jesus did that. And I couldn't. And I was like, thank God I met with Joe because I was about to lead that ministry off a cliff. <laughs> uh, and, and you sat down and wrote things you saw in Jesus' life. And I was like, okay, that that served me. I can open up my Bible and live out um, a godly leadership because of you opening up your Bible and showing me what that looks like so I think there are so many men throughout my life uh, but honestly in the, the past couple of years who've taught me how to have great character and great competence because that's what leaders are made of but also great compassion mm-hmm. and how we love people well not just seeing them as workers or uh, just a means to the end um, but I know in Matthew nine thirty six, Jesus saw the crowds and saw them as Sheep without a shepherd and was would move with to compassion. <clears throat> and that that's how I want to see everyone. Of Everyone God entrusts me to lead. I want to see them as, hey, do they have a shepherd or they don't have a shepherd? And if they have a shepherd, I want to push them closer to him. But if they don't, I want to move towards compassion and tell them about God's goodness despite their role in life. Because, yeah, my players will might have four or five years left on the court, maybe six or seven if they go a little bit longer. We got a player in the NBA combat right now who's uh, really tearing it up. But his career is not going to go to into eternity, Mm -hmm. but his relationship with the Lord will. So,
2: Shay, I hope that the young leaders on this uh, podcast are listening well. I hope your antenna is up high. I hope as 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 you're an aspiring young leader who's who's listening to the words of John Steady and Shay. By the way, we call Steadman Steady. By the way, (laughs) and we love him. Is that but but I, but I hope you're listening as you build the DNA of your leadership style on campus. Um, and then you know in the startup business that you're creating, uh, you're hearing them talk about compassion and caring for the folks, caring D. De- and then daddies, oh daddies, I'm telling you man, uh, the dads who kids emulate when they get older, when they want to be like you which is the mark of true leadership when the next generation carries on the leadership that you begin in their life, is dads who care, and and mommies for sure. No one cares like a mom. And as busy as you are, mommying is the busiest job in the world, but as busy as you are, remember, it's, it's, it's not about the diaper you're changing. It's not about... The the uh, the grounding that you're you know laying on your teenager, is caring for that baby, and then later on caring deeply for that teenage son who you're having to to discipline right now. That's what sticks as a leader.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like we're transitioning the home. I'm I'm I think of one of our family values is um, you're deeply loved and always heard, hmm. and you know, it applies in the home to our kids, but I think about it too, with the teams that I've led over the years that, you know, when you, when you feel known and heard, um, a follower goes from just complying to being compelled. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, I think about a lot, a lot of the coaches I had over the years that just bark and demanding, you know, hardcore trust the process, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, yes, sir, I'll comply. You know, I'll do it. But, but there's been other leaders, you know, Joe, who I've come to know and they've come to know me and I feel compelled. And I, you know, it'd be hard to quantify the, I guess the production value that, that you get out of that. But in the home, it's huge, you know, for your kids to truly feel known. John, you and Kathy are, I mean, you have a great reputation for being an awesome mommy and daddy. Talk to us about, um, you know, leading your girls in, in reference to just knowing who they were, were individually.
3: Yeah, um, we have two daughters. They're wonderful daughters. They're 25 and 26 now, both out of the home, independent, which is we're praising the Lord for. Um, and honestly, the majority of the credit goes to my wife because she's an amazing, amazing Christian woman. But one of the things that we've always tried to be consistent with our girls is to uh, first of all they're not the same they're different people Um, and i i see often in in particularly young parents they, they they view consistency as the same and i think you have to find you have to find what each child needs and make sure that you're nurturing and disciplining consistent with what they need and then uh, we've always been um, focused on, as scripture tells us, you know, fathers don't exasperate, exasperate your kids. Right. So um, and so we've always been f- trying to focus on the heart. What's the heart of the matter? If if they're not complying, if they're not doing things consistent, if they're living values, the way we talked about, we had family values as well. Um, then what's what's the root of that and trying to dive deeper into that? Um, with each of our girls, and then as they're getting older, as they become teenagers, you know you're widening the boundaries, but uh, helping them leave the nest and be successful. We talk a lot about when they were teenagers about what success is. You know what what are we doing? Why are we doing high school? Why are we doing activities? Why are we serving in our church? And what does success look like? Because you know the goal is you're out of the house and you're on your own and you're successful. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're no longer reliant. We're going to be here for you, but the goal is not that you're reliant on us, that you're successful. So, again, focusing on their heart and what they need.
2: John, I'm curious, just as a follow-up, uh, you you are a powerful leader, but you care so deeply uh, for people. What what? qualities of leadership did you bring from the gigantic company you led in Houston to the Ministry of Cannecuck? They seem to me like very different uh, focuses, very different mission, vision, uh, core value. What did you bring from Houston that's made you succeed here with us in Cannecuck Ministries?
3: Well, I think, um, one of the, one of the first things that, uh, I felt like I was successful with here is, um, just building relationships. Yep. Um, you did the, well. uh, there's a great book that, um, I studied in the late nineties and I actually still give it out today to people called the first 90 days. Hmm. And it speaks about, um, how important the first 90 days in any transition, um, Whether for me coming to Connecticut, or even as I changed jobs, when we did a lot of mergers and acquisitions, we'd actually have leaders put together a 90 day plan. Mm -hmm. And an important element of that book that I think is so was transformative for me was the first 30 days is listening and building relationships. And um, oftentimes, I know early on in my career, I was I was trying to make a splash. Right. I was trying to frankly, I was trying to be self-righteous lift myself up and show what I could do. Mm -hmm. And that rarely leads to lasting success. So I spent a lot of time listening, building relationships, and seeking to understand. And then later, then starting to lean into areas that I think were most important. And uh, another key thing that I've learned in my career is... You know, an organization can only handle so much change. So if you're going to start to make change, make sure you're spending the time on the things you think can have the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of it is what you think the organization is ready for. Because if they're not ready for it, it's going to be hard to implement.
2: Well, everyone would say, Shay, on our whole Kennecook Family Ministries team that uh, John and Kathy listen well. And they they've built a relationship with all of us
1: yeah without a doubt john i'm curious this is this question is probably just for me selfishly i'm curious as you made the transition up here in some ways, starting a second career um major transition from you know one industry into into ministry what what are some of the things that you you've learned since then i mean in the, in this second career i'm curious
3: yeah i um people will ask me from time to time, what surprised you?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And maybe that's a, another way of asking the same question you had. And, um, coming to small town Branson didn't surprise me. I grew up in a small town, Southern Colorado. My wife and I had moved around a lot coming to a smaller organization. Weren't a lot of surprises there. Uh, honestly, um, I, what I expected was, you know, big organizations have lots of bureaucracy and lots of process and lots of checkers, checking things.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and so, um, There are some of those things that I brought to help us. Um, But probably, honestly, the biggest thing is I've never worked at a place where people were so sold out for the mission. Mm. And I think that's just the faith journey. When you run into sold out Christians that recognize their life as a mission, you know, and whether it's sitting at Canica or sitting at a job in downtown Houston. um, But they say, this is my mission. Mm-hmm. In life, my mission is to serve where I'm at I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to hold the things of this earth loosely um, but while I'm here I'm going to give a wholeheartedly whatever I can to God and it's just fun working around a team that we have differences right we, we have sure. things that we don't get uh, we won't agree with and conflict from time to time but but the the mission which is reach kids for Christ and mm-hmm. and create these mighty, Christian warriors out there, uh, we're all sold out for it. And it's a fun place to be. It is.
2: Shay, um, I, I was just thinking about the two things I love about Steady, and, I, I you know, I'd love to hear what you would say, and, and, I'm, and, and we'll turn it into a question, you know, when you're done with, with, uh, with roasting him a little bit. The, the two things I love about his leadership, one, people need to know his teams are very successful. Uh, what what he's done with his team already this year, uh, just in the just in the performance world, we are all standing in awe. I mean, he's already uh, he already took it to a four year college uh, and gave them everything they had. Uh, and and he's he's got eighteen year olds and nineteen year olds on his team.
1: For but, one year. I mean, a prep year is a challenge, right? to get everybody on board, Oh boy. Yes, in
2: one is. year. Yes, it is and and the other thing is Shay that, that yeah, he leads in basketball, but but his intentionality in leading men to Christ, I don't think we've had a leader on our team uh, that I can think of ever. This man is intent- one other, one other, Jim Welch, uh, that that through his love and care for his players, uh, he, his mission is clearly to lead them to Christ, and he does it often. Mm-hmm.
1: There's no doubt about that. You know, I got to brag on him because, and and I'd love you for you to speak into it. You know, this summer, Stedman was working for the link year at K1, and of course, campus is, is up and running, and you know, our nation entered into a crisis when, you know, George Floyd was murdered. And, and you know, in our camp gates, we kind of take away all the, you know, phones and social media. I'm mean, like, we're totally focused. It, it truly is a retreat. Um, but when our staff go on 2-4, you know, they get on their social media and it's just unrest everywhere. And it's all, it almost makes your head spin like, what is going on out there? And... You know, we just pride ourselves in 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 being relevant and dealing, you know, like we take God's word and we want to teach kids and teach staff to navigate the world that they're living in and to do it in a godly way. And Stedman and I ran into each other in the weight room and really just were checking on each other. You know, how are you doing with this? How are you processing it? And again, it's just his, you know, your wisdom with how all of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions were filtered through the truth of god's word and for an ultimate hope i'm just like it really blessed me and i'm like stedman i gotta get you in front of our staff and that's exactly what we did actually stedman started to to help our, our staff navigate it. We, we started hosting some, some nights with our staff where we began to just unpack it and instead and took the lead and it was just like, God rose him up for such a time as this. I mean, he just was there at the right time. And, and I just love, I love the way you filter through things. You know, we call you steady, but you really are that you are steady. And, um, you know you kind of see Donye in you you know where you know donia is he's like a lion he's just always prowling <laughs> around he's looking for who you know who, who who needs me he's you know he's always looking and you see stedman walk around like that too you know and he just intentional steps aside spends time with a guy here and just does it real quiet stealth but he's always on the move um talk talk to us about just how your scriptural Filter was established and how you began to just navigate through things from a godly perspective.
0: I think it goes back to 2014 and my first time in Kennecott camps. I saw men who knew the word of God without having to open the word of God because it was so written on their hearts. Mm. I saw that in Donia, I definitely saw it in Joe, I saw it in Yu-Yushe. Um, I'm really a product of you all's leadership. I feel like I've stand on the shoulder of giants Uh, and I know we all have the same testimony. So yeah, when I, when when I, as I go back uh, to young life and talk to people and lead people uh, and I'm saying some of the things you all have said to me and leading in the some of the same fashions you led me in, uh, I see that I'm just a conglomerate of leaders that I've spent time around. Uh, And that all goes back to one person, Jesus Christ, Uh, how the information has been passed down and by the grace of God in 2020 or 2014 where it started at, uh, a kid who wasn't even supposed to be at K2, lands at K2 and comes to hang around great leaders and starts to lead as a great leader and still much to learn, still much to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as far as the George Floyd situation, uh, I know that the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5 talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a bomb goes off, there are people who are trained to run towards it, and there's people who run away from it in fear. And by the grace of God, when conflict happens and arises such as that in country, Christians aren't supposed to run away. we are supposed to run towards because we're mm. ministers of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation uh, by God. And if a sinful people can be reconciled to a holy God, blacks and whites can be reconciled to one another. Um, I know for myself, and I, the way I try to help p- inform people at that time is, one my my chief identity is not in my skin colors in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me um it won't matter what color I am once I stand for a holy God it'll matter if I'm clothed in the blood of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. so I I want to make my stand there uh and because I make my stand there I'm informed by the Word of God not let them not let my emotions be my God uh there's feelings I feel but at the same time feelings are my God I have to always submit those and filter those through scripture, which tells me to to be patient and be long suffering um, and to do my best to reconcile, especially with those who are in Christ with me. Uh, Those outside of Christ, yes, I'm going to love them. But in Christ, we are supposed to be one body under uh, one mediator who's Jesus, the son of God. Um, I always want to show compassion to people who don't agree with me like, not everybody's going to agree with me in life. Uh, that's okay. That doesn't mean that's hatred. Uh, we can disagree and still love one another. There's plenty of disagreements inside the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't stop us from always pursuing unity with one
1: another. There's disagreements in my kitchen.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know that. I'm the unmirrored guy around here. All the guys I'm preaching to the choir are like, okay, you understand. <laughs> you understand more once you have to look at it. Uh, so, yes, the, the George Floyd situation was very unfortunate. Um, I know God's still on his throne. I know racial reconciliation has already happened, something that's been achieved. I'm not looking for it to happen in Washington because it happened in Jerusalem 2000 years ago uh, with three words. It is finished. Uh, policy doesn't change hearts. The Holy Spirit does. And ultimately, justice comes from God. So government is not my God. So I'm not yielding to a new trinity that's uh, coming to hand uh, within these political volatile times. I'm. Stuart's looking towards my God to reconcile people to himself. And once we're reconciled to him, we're to one another. So I've always tried to point people that way and be loving in my speech and understand um, when there is injustice and what's truth and what's not truth. But nonetheless, I'm a minister of reconciliation, so I'm not going to give way to my emotion. I'm going to preach the gospel and see
2: him change lives. Mm-hmm. Shay, I, I want to hitchhike. Steady leads people to Christ. Well. As you're just hearing, his philosophy of leadership uh, said so well. Thank you, Steady. Um, A a mom called me yesterday, um, who's trying to become a more effective leader of a 16 year old son, who is going sideways in some different uh, decisions, choices that he's making. And it came back to Steady what I see in you, uh, and and what I see in John Jensen, and Shay what I see in you, frankly um is is building and 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 listeners hang on to this for just a second before you just go that's just how do we it's building jesus into that 16 year old boy that's what we talked about she said how can i you know kind of bring him back to center how can i how can i get him back onto a behavioral path she'd taken his iphone away and his car away and all that stuff and, and I, su- I said, ma'am, let's start talking about how to build Jesus in his heart. Let's talk about tucking a- tuck him in bed every mm-hmm. night and memorizing a Bible verse with that young man. Mm-hmm. L- let's talk about having breakfast together and not just living the pancakes, because that's what I used to love to do when I was a dad at home. I loved to cook, bre- but cooking breakfast was just an excuse to get out Proverbs. That's what we did at the mm-hmm. breakfast table. And that's where we built Jesus. And his and his and his uh, his thinking, his his DNA, his core into, into the hearts of, of my kids, but but whether it is a corporation or whether it is a basketball team or whether it is a camp, uh, ultimately, Steady and I'm telling you, I'm learning this from you, buddy. Every time I watch you, you're leading somebody to Christ. Uh, is is building the ABCs of Jesus's heart, and that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest of Scripture. <laughs> into the mind and heart of our kids. And you cannot find any other successful path that's going to last for generations than that. It works, building Christ into our men and our women uh, and our kids. That's the formula to me for successful leadership.
0: Can I add something to that, Joe? Just for the parents out there, and me not being a parent, but me doing a lot of ministry with— Teenagers and basketball players, I know we discipline so it would lead to discipleship. We don't discipline just out of hate, but that would produce a harvest of righteousness. That's and good. I and That's I know good. that it's so easy to get discouraged when you have to discipline. But the way I look at it now is I can see leadership flicker in children early. And it, sometimes it flickers as them running in their own ways and you having to discipline them but i'm so encouraged when i have to discipline a kid but i see leadership and i can praise god for that even in the discipline and we have we just had a dude memorize the whole book of titus cuz we love him uh he made some bad choices and we love him <laughs> and we was like hey we're going to memorize the whole book of titus and he went in front of linkyear and uh, recited the whole book of Titus. So like he messed really? up once. Awesome. I was so wow. proud of him. Uh, wow. But it's like that's discipleship. And it's like I see leadership in him, and he was going his own way. And if Jesus fully gets him, he submits to him. It's like God's going to do
1: something big through you. So I'm encouraged when I do have to discipline my guys. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, Steady, your lips don't move fast enough for all your passion to flow out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> I love that, love man. That. Well, you know, we're talking transcendent leadership, and we talked about humility we talked about knowing and loving people well we talked about reconciliation and being ministers of reconciliation we talked about unity and we talked about planting gospel seeds in the hearts of those that we love and that we lead um i'm going to go ahead and and close it off here I, though this group could talk about leadership for hours on end and and we just hope that that this is a blessing to our our listeners out there. We prayed before we started that that God would take this conversation and that it would hit you right where you're at today um, whether it's a mom driving kids home from school or uh, or a daddy that's on his way to work or uh, an employer that's got you know a bunch of challenges awaiting them you know jesus based leadership qualities they they transcend all those settings. And uh, if you want to grow as a leader, you open that that book and you begin to apply it to your life. And we're in the process of getting better together, aren't we, men? Amen. Yes, sir. I'm going to go ahead and pray over our listeners and we'll uh, close it down from here. Father, we come to you and we just, uh, we thank you for all that you're, you're teaching us. We sure don't have all the answers. Um, each man sitting here is a work in progress. And we just thank you, Lord, for... Um, investing in us and teaching us and helping us all to grow up. We pray for our listeners. We pray a blessing over them and their family and the different opportunities that they've been given to lead. And we pray, God, that they would grow in their faith and in their influence. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
0: We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit Podcast.com. And for more information about CannaCook, you can visit CannaCook.com.